welcome to this talk. I'm Don Moynihan. I am the director of the La Falla School of Public Affairs, who are the, the primary sponsors of this lecture series. Um, the lecture series is the Behavioral Insights for Government, or BIG lecture series. Uh, we're trying to reach out to the city, the county, the states to provide a little bit more visibility to some of the types of research that we're doing that we think are, is relevant uh, for government. This is the second um, of three lectures we're going to have this spring. Uh, the third one is coming up on Tuesday, April 18th, 12.30 to 1.30, and that is going to happen at the Madison Public Library, so not here. Um, and the lecturer that day will be Jim Guska, who's a, a former professor from business school here at UW-Madison and is now the U.S. chief data scientist with Deloitte Consulting. So he's worked with some state and local governments uh, to examine how to use administrative data to, to make decisions. So it'll be a slightly different flavor from uh, the talk uh, that we have today. Today's talk is by Professor Oliver James of the University of Exeter. As will be revealed when he starts talking, he is from the United Kingdom. Um, he is in town this week to, to visit La Follette and, and to, you know, also give a talk there. Um, Oliver is, is probably uh, the foremost authority on how citizens make use of performance data, how they interpret performance data of local government, how that affects their beliefs about local government and elected officials of anyone in the world. He's been doing experiments on this now uh, for probably 10 years or so, I would guess. Um, and so it's a pleasure to have him in Madison and to relate a little bit about his experiences. Uh, he's told me he'll plan to talk for about 35 to 40 minutes. People are welcome to interrupt along the way, um, or you can wait until the end and ask questions after. I request if you're asking a question, identify who you are, which unit you work with. I think that, that helps to make it a more grounded conversation in your experience and not just um, um, uh, from a research perspective. Okay, Oliver, take the stage, please. Well, thanks very much, Don, for those, those kind words. And I'm really pleased to um, have the opportunity to, to talk with you. So I thank, thank Don and colleagues and also uh, uh, um, uh, colleagues at the, at the city for uh, uh, allowing us to, to, to have this uh, discussion uh, this afternoon. So as Don was saying, my talk fits within the sort of two broader themes of this seminar series, which are firstly uh, the behavioural perspective on, on public policy, that's to say one informed by insights from uh, psychology and the behavioural sciences that, that question sort of the dominant uh, rational, rationality, uh, full information type uh, approach to, to, to public policy that's sort of conventionally associated with some, some, some versions of, sort of economic thinking. And associated with that also uh, a, an approach that seeks to to, to use evidence uh, about the effects of policy that are drawn particularly from experimental uh, evidence using um, policy interventions that involve an element of random allocation of those uh, policies to try to assess the, the, the causal effects uh, and to enable policymakers to, to, to learn from that. And within that, those, those themes, I'm going to be talking particularly around the role of performance information uh, in communicating with citizens. Now, obviously, public organisations for uh, a number of years have developed 
performance management systems uh, attempts to, uh, to, to gather information about valued outcomes and, and processes. But uh, my, my research in particular is, is, is looking at how some of that information can uh, be used to, to inform citizens and, and users of, of, of public services and, and facilitate the interaction between public organizations and those, and those citizens. And also, what are some of the things that can go wrong if there's a sort of naive uh, uh, view of the role of uh, information? That, you know, just, oh, it's just a question of just getting the information out there and, uh, and correcting the sort of the ignorance of citizens or, or, the, or the sort of correcting some kind of information uh, deficit. Uh, I think uh, research shows it's a little bit more uh, complicated than that. So I'm going to draw on some examples uh, that um, uh, illustrate this point, uh, but also hopefully uh, are, are, are positive, uh, um, have some positive suggestions for sort of institutional design and things that we can do um, to, uh, to, to use information systems in a way that is, is useful both for public managers, for politicians, but also citizens and, and, and users of services. So is it, is it going in and out? Oh, you're recording? Oh, you're actually recording it. So, so I wondered sometimes, because I'm used to doing things that are unplugged in our lecture theatres, so, um, so, so I haven't got an operatic voice, but I can normally project to the back of the room. So I was actually sort of toning my voice down. But is it, is it causing a problem with an imbalance between the... It's okay, is it? Okay. Well, if, if it does go funny, then please just, just, just shout and, and I'll, uh, um, I'll adjust. So the interest is, is particularly in... Um, the use of this performance information of different kinds uh, to, to, to inform citizens about what government's doing, what public organisations are doing, what public value is being created by those organisations, and also to enable service users to make a choice about what public services to use, uh, to uh, perhaps leave public services that are, that are not performing well, but also uh, to encourage politicians and public managers in control of those services to uh, produce services that are responsive to their needs um, and also uh, perform at adequate levels. So um, there's, there's a, a big literature developed on um, uh, performance management, and I'll return the compliment to Don to say that you know, he's one of the worldwide foremost experts on the development of performance uh, management, and uh, in particular sort of the dynamics of performance uh, measurement and, and, and moving beyond sort of narrow uh, technical, um, uh, uh, just narrow concerns with, with the sort of the, the technical development, but to really consider uh, performance management systems as social and, and political uh, systems, uh, uh, but also to, to think about how that information affects the relationship between citizens and users and public services and citizens and the, and, and the, and the state. So the sorts of things we're talking about are information around uh, the inputs that go into public services, things like budgets, staffing figures can be communicated to, to people, information about processes and, and, and the adequacy of processes, information about the outputs of public services, so there could be things like uh, you know, how, many, uh, how many students are graduating and, 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 and so on, but also particularly the outcomes of public service activity for, uh, for, 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 for communities. So these are things like the effects on the crime rates, the effects on the educational levels or health outcomes. We have a, a great uh, potential now to, to communicate this information to citizens, obviously through things like web technology, but also through this, the, the large amount of information that's collected routinely by uh, public managers. But the question is, well, you know, what, what do we do with this information when it comes to, to, to communicating to people outside of the organization? 
uh, and um, can organizations use the information to, to, to generate beneficial reputations that might help uh, support, uh, build support for, for, for public programs? Or what are the risks with giving information out to people and uh, the potential for sort of misinterpretation and perhaps even some uh, mischievous use of uh, information uh, that's not, not uh, uh, necessarily <coughs> beneficial to public debate? So the perspective of a sort of behavioral insight to this is, is to recognize that as, as, as humans, when we are interacting with, with information, there are a lot of stages in the process between information and, and knowledge. Uh, and also, uh, the, the reception of information is, is filtered by a number of processes that affect the search for information, uh, its uh, 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 integration in, in, in cognitive processes, reasoning about the information and how it then informs attitudes and ultimately behavior towards services. And uh, I think the sort of the implicit model uh, of, of information use in, in many domains has been that while information helps us with rationality, if we had full information, that'd be a great thing, but uh, performance information can help fulfill um, uh, the need for uh, information for, for citizens to hold governments accountable. It can help users make informed uh, choices. If you put more information out there, it will help correct an information deficit uh, that, it, that, it, that exists. But the behavioral perspective says, well, uh, that's not necessarily as straightforward as that. In fact, there are a number of cognitive processes and biases, and I believe uh, the, at the previous seminar some of those were, were, were discussed that affect the way uh, human cognition operates. There's selective attention to information. There's selective processing of information. There is, in fact, often uh, what is called a motivated reasoning around information. Rather than just people trying to have information that's, that's accurate, they'll often seek information that helps bolster other concerns, such as consistency with prior beliefs, consistency with social identity, uh, such that information isn't always sort of neutrally received. So that's on the cognitive side. However, we're not just simple sort of uh, brains in vats or individual cognitive entities. We are embedded in social and political systems. So alongside this concern with the sort of the cognitive and psychological aspects, uh, the perspective that, that, uh, that I've, I've, been, I've been working on in, in particular recognizes that the information about public services is given out in an institutional context of <coughs> political institutions, of political accountability structures, for the delivery and, and development of those public services, and that affects the way the information is received. So if you put the same piece of information out in, into an environment that's, uh, that, that's different, it's going to be processed in, in different ways. If uh, same, the same piece of information, maybe a piece of information that might be that is a performance problem with a public organization, might be received very differently in a community where there's a long-term uh, productive and, and cooperative relationship between the, the, the public service providers and the community to, to, the, to that where there's a, 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 a more confrontational um, uh, dynamic over, over a number of years. So it's not just about the information, it's not just about the cognitive uh, aspects of the processing of the information, it's also the, the political institutional contexts um, that shapes the, um, uh, the, the reception and use of that, uh, that information. So Potentially, performance information will affect uh, people's beliefs about the public service, the things like their uh, perceptions of performance. So if you tell people that uh, a school or a hospital or a police force is, is doing well on some, some, some metric, there'd be an expectation that that has some effect on, uh, on perceived performance. 
it can affect their what you might call predictive expectations about what they'll get if they interact with a public service. So if I send my uh, son or daughter to a particular school, uh, what kind of education will they, uh, uh, they receive there? That's a sort of predictive expectation. Uh, it can affect trust in government and trust in the public organisation. If I'm constantly told, for example, that uh, a school is a, a well-performing school, then that's likely to increase my uh, uh, confidence in the leadership of that school and, and uh, uh, um, perhaps build trust in, in uh, providing that school with resources and continuing to cooperate with uh, um, uh, the school. It can affect the evaluative attitudes, things like satisfaction with the public services, uh, perceptions of what public services can achieve, so if uh, it's against the background of a successful uh, performance, then the, the argument might be that if you're voting, say, resources to, to set up a new school or uh, to uh, deliver new facilities, then it's been more likely to be successful because it's against the background of previous historical uh, successful performance. And it can affect behaviour towards those services. So information uh, about um, services where there's a choice of service can enable people to choose the school that's appropriate for them. It can enable them to, to live potentially in a district that provides uh, sort of the desirable con um, bundle of tax and, and, and services that, uh, that, that fits their, uh, their preferences and enables them to, um, uh, to, to, to interact with services that are responsive to their, their needs. But also, as well as the choice of services, information is, 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 is part of the, uh, uh, the oxygen of, of, of democracy and debate around public services and really is a precondition for the, for the existence of democratic control of services and the provision of services. So if there can be uh, the information provided as part of this conversation around what services should be provided communally, uh, what are the problems and challenges associated with that, but also what can be done about it to, to, to improve the situation, um, then it can build, uh, uh, build cooperation with services, build co-production with services, where people feel that they can be confident that if they um, make some efforts to, to, to help a public organisation then that's going to be reciprocated by the organisation. Um, and it can inform voting as well for, for um, public services where there is some uh, democratic oversight of those services and where politicians can be uh, held to account. So each of those ways in which performance information can affect uh, the interaction between public managers and politicians on the one hand and, and citizens and, and, and users uh, is, is, affected, is, is influenced by these, these behavioural um, uh, issues that, uh, that I mentioned uh, at, the, at the start of the talk. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about some of those, um, some of those, 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 those issues, uh, how they can uh, present problems with the presentation of information, but also how we can utilise what we know about behavioural uh, uh, characteristics of people in the reception of information and what we know about the influence of those political institute and social institutional structures to design performance um, measurements and, and, and performance information systems in a way that utilises knowledge uh, to make them as effective as, as possible. And in doing that I'm going to draw on evidence um, from a number of sources but particularly some uh, experimental research and I think um, again in the the previous uh, uh, lectures in this series, uh, the, the idea of using uh, uh, an, an experimental approach as a source of evidence about public policy uh, has, has, has been uh, touched upon. But just to say, when I'm using the term a behavioural experiment, I'm, using, uh, I'm meaning that when there's some new, in, uh, new policy, it might be, say, a new way of communicating information uh, about, say, the performance of a school to, to parents and, and a local community. That can be trialled in a way that... Uh, uh, randomly allocates the, the new system uh, and, the, and the sort of the usual way of communicating uh, uh, to, to say parents and then uh, uses that random allocation to create groups that 
uh, on average are, are equivalent to one another and differ only in respect of this difference in policy intervention. Then outcomes, things like satisfaction with the school, maybe attendance at uh, parent meetings, uh, cooperation with the school in terms of homework or attendance can then be measured as outcomes. And the difference between the group that's been allocated the new policy intervention and the, like, the usual policy uh, can be estimated. And on that basis, the, the causal effect of the policy established. And of course, there are sort of behavioral interventions that are not based on experimental evidence and experiments that are not linked to behavioral theory but a lot of the time the sort of behavioural perspective and the experimental method are uh, used in uh, conjunction. So these are the sorts of things that we're, that we're talking about. Uh, innovations in, uh, in institutional design for the presentation of performance information that, that, that go uh, with the flow of uh, what we know about uh, behavioural uh, limitations of uh, understanding and, and using performance information uh, and the sort of the political context in which um, it's, it's developed. So the first one I'd like to talk about is uh, a major in initiative that's, that has been underway in, in, the, in the UK now, and particularly in England, for a number of years, and that's uh, the Comprehensive Performance Assessment of Local Governments. So in, in, uh, in England, there are about uh, sort of 350 local government units in the, in the, uh, within, within England, and each one of them is subject to the same system of performance measurement, which enables... Uh, comparisons between those, those units on performance on a number of, uh, number of dimensions. However, the dimensions of local government performance, and these are local governments that provide things like schools, uh, social care for the elderly, uh, local uh, leisure facilities, uh, local environmental quality um, uh, initiatives. And they, are, they provide, because uh, in, in the UK it's a unitary, a unitary state structure, so it's, a, it's obviously different from the sort of complex and overlapping uh, municipal arrangements that, that, that tend to predominate in the US. Uh, but within, within England, these units are, are performing similar functions. Because of that, it makes sense to compare their performance on, 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 on metrics, but there are many metrics that can be used. Uh, but the comprehensive performance assessment system was an attempt to, to draw those together in an overall grading of local uh, government on a simple, uh, simple set of categories. And those categories ranged from uh, excellent performance through good performance, fair, weak, right down to poor uh, performance, and that's the distribution of ratings that the councils received on the right-hand side there, uh, in, uh, in terms of those categories. This information was then communicated to uh, to, to local people throughout the throughout the country. It was a requirement that it was presented uh, uh, publicly by those, those those local governments and received quite a lot of media attention. Uh, in, uh, uh, and and, and uh, was um, uh, run on, on a, number of, uh, a number of years. It was a sort of regular cycle of updating. So local citizens in an area had comparative performance information about how well their local government performs its core services compared to every other local government in the country. And this information was uh, influential on the perceptions and attitudes of, of local, uh, local people. And you can see the sort of the distribution that... Uh, Although very few local uh, authorities, local governments, were placed in, in the poor category, for those that, that were in those categories, it, it, that in that particular category, it did have a, a major consequence because citizens were asking, well, um, uh, you know, why, why are we doing so badly compared to, to, to everywhere else in the country? And one of the things that um, was, was, was effective about this system is that it used these, this simple categorization, which uh, recognizes the bounded rationality of, of, of people that we don't have the capacity to uh, or often the motivation or interest 
to, uh, to, to evaluate our public institutions on, on, on the, the many dozens or even hundreds of metrics that are available. Uh, these professional uh, uh, auditors that put together the comprehensive performance assessment used their professional judgment in order to do that on behalf of the citizens and, and presented them with these simple categories. Uh, and as a, as a consequence of this, um, people's uh, perceptions were changed. So using this, the, 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 sort of the simple categorization is a much more effective strategy than, than sort of just pushing out information and, and leaving it to, to, to individuals to make judgments because uh, it's just demanding too much uh, attention and too much effort of the, uh, of the individuals in order, to, in order to do that. And you can see the effect, uh, we ran some experiments uh, looking at the effect of this information on perceived performance to see whether you know, pumping this information out really does, does change uh, perceptions. And this is the uh, evidence from uh, local governments that were, were, were rated as excellent in the, um, uh, the assessment and the uh, perceived performance of citizens. Uh, it was asked, half of the groups were, were, were given uh, in, in no information or no detailed information about the actual performance of the local government. They were just told that, well, your performance can be assessed on these, on these different dimensions. Uh, the other group was given this simple information cue, this simple summary measure uh, on the categories that, uh, that I presented on the, on the previous slide, and the information clearly shifted perceptions. You could see that um, in, in terms of the responses to these, these surveys, people were much more likely to say that their local government was performing well uh, uh, when they were in receipt of, of the information. And in contrast to that, when they were given information that was, that, that was um, very uh, sort of fragmented and technical, people just didn't have an interest in the information. They just didn't move, uh, move perceptions uh, at, at all. So simply giving people some sort of clear measure, particularly a comparative measure, you know, your local government is, doing, is, is in a category that's sort of above others, or your local uh, uh, government is, is in a category that's sort of below the, uh, the average local government, uh, this does have uh, an effect on citizen uh, perceptions that can be quite, quite, um, quite clearly identified. However, this sort of reception of information is not uh, <coughs> necessarily uh, found across all areas of public policy. So if you're talking about uh, fixing, fixing roads, road maintenance, or uh, sort of areas of public policy where there isn't a great deal of uh, political uh, controversy, then maybe giving them this information, or it has to be in a particular form, maybe it has to be some sort of simplified form that's accessible and, and, and easy for people to understand, uh, that, is, that is sufficient to, to change perceptions. But when the information is about a public policy area where there's some sort of divide or in, in public opinion, particularly perhaps a partisan divide, uh, the, the, uh, the story is quite, quite different. And so in another study, I've been looking at uh, the reception of information and use uh, of information about the performance of public policies um, that, are, that are more polarized. And, uh, and a classic example is the, uh, the Affordable Care Act, which is one of the sort of contemporary salience in the, in the US in, in uh, uh, recent years. And the finding there has been that often people, when they're, when they're given some information, uh, which bits of information they look at uh, will depend quite a lot on their, their prior uh, view and also their social identity. So what we did was we gave the same information about the early performance of the Affordable Care Act to uh, groups of uh, Republicans and, and, and Democrats and asked them to select what they thought was the most um, useful information about performance. And this performance information 
was a mixture. Some, some information was suggesting that the affordable care act was performing reasonably well. Other, other uh, pieces of information were suggesting it wasn't performing so well. And dependent on their previous, uh, uh, well, on their previous attitudes and their partisan identity, people selected the information that fits their own uh, pre-existing views of the program. So there wasn't a consensus on the, even the selection of, inf of relevant information or the usefulness of that information. So this suggests that in areas of high polarization, unsurprisingly, it's difficult not only to get agreement around the aims of the program, which you might expect, but even as what counts as, as, as appropriate evidence about the performance of that um, uh, program. So we were thinking about that and ways to uh, address the, that issue. So one of the things we thought was, well, if people are thinking in a partisan frame, that's likely to activate this motivated reasoning because a lot of that was... Um, uh, linked to people's partisan identity, I, you know, as a Republican, as a Democrat, uh, they have a particular view of the, uh, the Affordable Care Act, even before uh, uh, looking at evidence. But if you could shift people out of that domain of, of, of partisan thinking and thinking about uh, the uh, information in, a, in, a, in another domain, that might uh, uh, affect the, the degree of reasoning, uh, motivated reasoning that was going on. So experimentally, we, we, we varied... Uh, uh, the context in which people were discussing this evidence. One group we asked a series of critical questions beforehand. Uh, another group we randomly assigned instead to ask uh, a lot of questions around healthcare needs, things around uh, whether they were uh, worried about their own health or the health of their family, whether they were concerned about affordability of, um, uh, of uh, uh, insurance or linked to their employment and so on. So this is a, a form of, of like priming of, of people thinking about uh, a, a particular issue under uh, a different framing of it. Um, and under the, the political prime, you can see a, there was a clear difference uh, between uh, Republicans and Democrats in their, um, their rating of the strength of a piece of favorable evidence about Obamacare. So this is, this is giving them this, this, this piece of information that suggests that uh, the Affordable Care Act uh, is, is, it was doing a good job. There's a difference there between the Democrats and Republicans. The Democrats were generally more favorable uh, of that, uh, about that evidence than the Republicans. But under the politics prime, uh, the, the gap between the, the, uh, the Republicans and the Democrats was bigger than under the healthcare prime when people were thinking about the service. So this suggests that if you can move the debate around evidence, I mean, you're not necessarily going to get consensus on the goals, but if you can get the debate around the evidence uh, to, to, to focus on, on the service characteristics, rather than debates around um, the sort of partisan identity, this can perhaps uh, build more consensus about the nature of the evidence. So you're not trying to change necessarily people's values or their, or their goals, you're just trying to get them to think about uh, the evidence uh, and, and what uh, counts as relevant evidence. So this is another uh, uh, version of the, uh, the same uh, process. We were asking people uh, to look at the choice of indicators. So we gave them these, this list of, of, of measures, of performance measures. Some were suggesting the Affordable Care Act was, was doing well, some were suggesting it wasn't doing so well, and we asked them to, uh, um, to, to, to choose the relevance of indicators. And under the politics prime, the partisan differences were really accentuated, and the, the gap between the Democrats and Republicans opened up. When uh, they the was talking, uh, they had been primed to think about their health care needs, the, the gap was much, much less. So I think this suggests two things. I mean, one is that some public services, obviously the potential performance information is, is a sort of evidence is going to be better because there's less partisan disagreement in the first place. But even in areas where there is partisan disagreement, if you can get people to try and uh, 
talk on a common ground about the nature of the service, the nature of the policy problem, uh, to, if you like, to check in their partisan identities at the door, then uh, they would more likely to get some consensus on the, on the evidence. Um, and if you can um, try to uh, create bipartisan consensus about evidence, uh, that would be uh, sort of beneficial. So uh, any, any uh, sort of, you know, sort of attempt to, to have a, a sort of an audit function or an evaluation function that is in, in, or performance measurement system to try to get uh, bipartisan buy-in to the development of those systems uh, is a way to try to sort of remove the evidence from the, uh, the, the fray of uh, party political um, uh, distraction and well, party political conflict. So that's how motivated reasoning, uh, which is a, a well-known uh, uh, sort of uh, perceptual bias can be, can be addressed by institutional design. Another characteristic feature of uh, human responses to information is negativity bias. That's to say information that's uh, about some, some problem uh, elicits a disproportionately uh, large response compared to information that's, that's more, more positive. So there's different ways of conceiving negativity bias. The first one is just purely the framing of the information. So uh, if you uh, tell people, you give the same logically identical information that say 90% of people are satisfied with a, with a public service, uh, people are going to have a higher rating of that than if you say 10% of people are, are dissatisfied with the, the public service. And that's purely a sort of presentational uh, uh, consequence of the framing of the information. Uh, secondly, there's a form of negativity bias which is based on uh, distance from the, sort of some of the, if you like, the average or the mean performance. The responses to performance, inf performance that dips below the, the mean is, is, is greater than, uh, than uh, responses to uh, performance that's, that's above uh, the mean. And that can be a problem for public, money, uh, public managers and, 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 and politicians when discussing performance information, because if you put the performance information into the public domain and performance, say your local government is above the mean, then you don't get as much credit as the blame you get if the performance dips below the mean. And I think that's, that's probably quite familiar to, to, to people working in public services, that um, you know, there's not a lot, lot of credit for good performance, but it's certainly blame when performance um, is, is seen as, as, as below average. So this is some information, uh, this comes from an experiment uh, by uh, someone I've collaborated with, uh, Asmus Olsen in, in Denmark, and he gave information to people uh, to, to illustrate this, this point about the negativity bias in the framing of performance information. So he's giving information about school performance, oh, so this, this actually this gave, gave them school performance, this is actually from, from hospitals, and just, just gave the same logically equivalent information about satisfaction, saying either people are 90% uh, satisfied or 10% dissatisfied and when uh, dissatisfaction was, 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 was raised uh, people's overall assessment um, shown by the sort of the fainter uh, grey line uh, of dissatisfaction uh, was, was, was greater. So to take a particular point um, I should just wander over here so, so you can either tell people that 90% of people are satisfied or that 10% of people are dissatisfied and if you tell people that 90% of people are satisfied then their evaluation of the hospital is about 70. If you tell them 10% uh, are dissatisfied, which is logically the same information, then their rating of the hospital's performance was only, only 50. So that's just a sort of logical uh, equivalence, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's well documented in psychology and other domains, but it still applies to performance information as well. So obviously that could be cynically manipulated by people to present information in a particular way, don't present dissatisfaction, present satisfaction. But I think the more, the more sort of fundamental point is to, is to, is to think about 
um, how, how information generally is, 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 is framed and, and presented and conversations with people. Because once you point out that sort of, uh, that sort of phenomenon, people are not uh, uh, sort of taken in by it so much, but uh, it's uh, uh, one that uh, sort of, if you're just sort of confronted with the information, people, people tend to, to react. So in, in terms of negativity bias, that also affects perceptions of, um, of, of responsibility, and this isn't just a, a phenomenon that's con confined to uh, citizens and users, it also uh, um, will apply to uh, expert groups as, as well, which I think uh, shows perhaps the sort of the fundamental nature of this problem that even sort of expert groups are, uh, uh, have a problem uh, or, or are affected by it, and this is, this is work um, that uh, Don Moynihan and, and, and colleagues has, have, have done, looking at um, the attribution of responsibility for school performance to school principals by, by politicians. And politicians are more likely to say that um, uh, the, uh, the performance of the school is down to the school principal when the performance is bad than they are to attribute uh, the principal's actions to, to, to having consequences for performance when performance is good. So if you're a, sc a school principal and you're in your high-performing school, the politicians um, don't um, particularly think that it's, uh, it's down to you, but if you're in a, in a poor poorly performing school, uh, then they're going to uh, think that you're more responsible for that performance outcome. And that's a, that's a sort of negativity, uh, a bias in response to, to, to performance information that's below the, uh, below the average performance. And that sort of, that sort of uh, bias has, has consequences. So in, um, uh, in, in the British state, some of those uh, performance measurement regimes that I, that I was talking about have now, um, well, they've now been scrapped because politicians uh, didn't want the blame when, uh, when, when uh, the, uh, the, performance, the performance dips, as inevitably it will, just, just, just sort of by, by chance you're going to get some random variation even if the trend is, is positive. So there has to be some kind of debate uh, around uh, what happens when you're reporting performance that is, is, is not seen as um, uh, is, is being what was hoped for. I mean, clearly, this doesn't just relate to sort of performance, relative performance, but also performance compared to targets. So if you're, if you're targeting performance, you might have these internal management targets that are perhaps stretching targets, um, that are, are, are trying to improve performance in the organization. However, if you put those stretch targets in the public domain, then clearly there's a, there's a higher risk that you're going to um, uh, not hit those targets, and then you could suffer this negativity bias. So there either has to be an intelligent conversation with the citizens and users about, oh, well, these are stretch targets, they're not necessarily meant to be hit, um, because politicians will often interpret a target, once a target is set, it's a pledge. Uh, so you need to be very, sort of, people need to be very careful around if they're going to put uh, uh, performance information rela relating to targets in the public domain, you, know, you have to communicate, is it a stretch target, is it a pledge target, uh, because politicians are, are, are often very wary uh, of, of putting targets in the public domain because they're, they're seen as, as, as pledges and, and as a sort of breach of uh, breach of trust or something if uh, if they're not if they're not met and so that's uh, is, you know is, is for good reason because of this risk of negativity bias. So uh, related to that, we did some experiments around providing people with information about the the, uh, the performance of a public services in, in in road maintenance and uh, whether it was possible for people to have a sort of conversation about who was actually responsible for for, for delivering those those services and we did find some 
uh, evidence that when where, where sort of politicians are able when they when they're able to communicate the information alongside um, um, some information about who was responsible for the delivery of the service that they were able to reduce their blame for public service performance under certain um, uh, certain circumstances. So alongside discussions around uh, giving information to people, there also um, needs to be uh, consideration about how uh, responsibility for performance is communicated uh, to people as, w uh, as well. So it's not just about giving the information about the outcomes. There are obviously going to be political accountability debates that flow from uh, uh, giving the, the information as, uh, as well. So I've spoken about motivated reasoning. I've spoken around this issue of negativity bias and reactions. Uh, another issue that um, is, is, is uh, important to, about the information is whether, well, whether citizens believe it. I, mean, I think there's also an, uh, a, uh, an issue around whether citizens are interested in the information. I mean, most of the time you know, we're busy. I mean, I, I, you know, if I'm a taxpayer, maybe I have some interest in the overall performance of the school, but probably not as much as, as if my son and da or daughter is, was in that particular school receiving the education. So there were points around... Uh, if you like, uh, the, the, the people's uh, limited capacity for, 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 for having an interest in these information, this information. But as well as that, when I mean, they do have potentially an interest in the information, say if I'm a parent of a school and I want to know how well the school is performing, if I'm um, uh, using a, 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 you know, local police services, what, you know, what is the crime rate, what, what, how, how safe am I in, uh, on, on, on the streets, are issues around the credibility of that information. And, and one of the things that um, I've been looking at in particular is, is this sort of crisis of confidence in institutions and, and, and particularly how when um, public services are constantly uh, with this negativity bias and, and, and media reporting of, of, of performance problems, how this can sort of lead to a generalised undermining of, of, of public services and people not, um, uh, not necessarily trusting the public sector to do a good, uh, a good job. So when there is a good news story to say where well, there is some success, some, some positive performance outcome, of course public organisations want to talk about that to show people that they're doing a good job. However, the very same um, scepticism about public service performance leads to a scepticism about the information that's being provided by public organisations as well. So when you're trying to tell a, a, a story about good performance or, or to provide information about good performance, uh, it's not necessarily uh, seen as credible by those people that uh, you want to try to persuade um, that the, um, the organisation is doing a good job. So thinking about the credibility of the information source is, uh, uh, is uh, an important factor. So it's a sort of chicken and egg problem. So if you're trying to, 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 to um, improve people's views of the public sector, trying to get them to, uh, to trust in public services, why, you know, to argue that they should be paying their taxes because they're getting good, uh, good value for them, if they don't believe the information about the good performance, then that's, uh, uh, it's not going to be possible to sort of try to uh, build, build that sort of positive, um, um, uh, positive view based on the, uh, the successful performance. So we found that independent sources... Uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, boost the, the credibility of performance information, but only in the context when it's producing uh, 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 information is about good uh, performance. So in, 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 in terms of finding evidence about that, we looked at um, performance of some US federal agencies uh, and randomly allocated the same information, but from different, uh, uh, different sources. So we looked at uh, performance of the Department of Veterans Affairs and US Citizenship and uh, Immigration uh, services and gave people some information about the, uh, uh, how satisfied the customers of those agencies uh, were with the performance of those uh, organisations. And this is before, this is a couple of years ago, before Veterans Affairs had this very, you know, this well publicised uh, problems with its uh, sort of hospital facilities in particular. 
And so we, we varied the source, this sort of, and we told people about this sort of satisfaction uh, of the users of the services, and we varied the sources coming from the agencies themselves, they both scored quite well on the satisfaction index, uh, coming from the agencies themselves, or an independent American customer satisfaction index, which is an independent organisation, not part of government, that uh, looks at the satisfaction of organisations. And we found that overall, just the fact the information uh, came from someone, and this is information about good performance, um, comes from somebody else, uh, didn't necessarily uh, increase their uh, view of the credibility. However, when we contrasted uh, information about higher, relatively high performance uh, with information about relatively low performance, there was a, a, a difference. So, when the agencies... Um, this is the kind of credibility index, and these are the two sources. This is the agency reporting itself, and this is the, um, uh, the independent source of information. So when the, um, the agency is doing, uh, uh, doing well, the agency reporting on itself is not so believed, but the independent source is more believed. Uh, when the agency is not doing quite so well, well, people do believe the agency then, uh, and it's not actually that much of a difference. It's not a statistically significant difference in the source. So, so if the agency is reporting information about not performing terribly well, people believe the agency... If the agency is reporting performance that is doing, doing well, people tend not to believe the agency. So when it's a, 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 um, communicating information about relatively uh, uh, good performance, it's, it's particularly valuable to have a sort of independent source. So for, an, uh, for a public organisation, if they say, well, it's not just us saying this, we have some independent certification, then really playing up the prominence of this independent certification is uh, extremely valuable in terms of increasing source credibility. We also found some, some factors around um, the nature of the organisation. So if you're, say, an enforcement organisation, it's just always going to be more difficult for you to, to communicate information that, that says you're doing a good job um, because people uh, just have that sort of, uh, sort, of, sort of more confrontational or difficult relationship with the organisation. So um, what I'm suggesting is that by having uh, uh, systems that, that, that recognise in their design the, the, the sort of characteristic cognitive limitations and there are, there are many, many forms of these, these limitations and also recognises the, the particular uh, political and institutional uh, context in which the information is communicated. Uh, you can design these systems that are, are um, uh, uh, appropriate to the, to, the, to the communication of information to citizens and users. But those are going to depend a lot on the particular context. So I've given you examples from uh, some, some particular experiments that we've worked on, but the way they play out is not going to be necessarily the same. Uh, it will depend on the particular public organisation that you're, you're working in, the particular political environment, the relationship with the client groups, the history of the interaction between, say, the parents and the school or the local government and its community, the police and the, uh, the, the, the local community and so on. So what organisations need to do is develop their own capacity for developing these designs and learning from their previous uh, experience because it needs to be bespoke to your particular needs. So in order to do that, you need some tools and skill sets. And what I'm particularly suggesting is that thinking about using um, so these sort of policy intervention with some sort of random allocation is an easy way uh, for a much more straightforward way than, 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 than might at first uh, become apparent, uh, be apparent um, to, to, to try to sort of develop bespoke knowledge that's, that's useful to you 
as, as an organization rather than sort of adopting a, a general prescription that uh, is sort of, sort of, sort of one-size-fits-all that doesn't really fit your organization. And so increasingly um, that's um, something that um, you know, colleagues and I have, have been uh, doing, working with different public organizations, uh, trying to sort of enable them to learn from experimentation to, to help them achieve their, uh, uh, their goals. So in, in, in summary, I just wanted to highlight those, those particular aspects of the behavioral perspective that I think are, uh, are important. So using summary information cues enables people to, uh, to, to, to cut through the complexity of performance information systems. I mean, it's really great to have open data initiatives and just put a lot of managerial information out there for citizens to look at. And some people, you know, maybe people like me, will go and download the Excel spreadsheets and, and, and take a look at them. But for ordinary citizens, they really don't have the time and inclination to do that. So these sort of simple categories, uh, they have been found the most effective. Uh, making citizens' information relevant to their, to their purpose. So if I'm a, I'm a taxpayer in an area, I don't necessarily need the same sort of detailed information about the performance of my local government um, as, as if someone's using, uh, using the service, they're choosing where to live or whether um, they're, uh, they're uh, concerned about the performance of a school. So it's really about linking the performance to the, to the, uh, uh, to the purpose of the interest in performance. Motivated reasoning uh, based on, on, on social identity or partisan identity can be addressed by reminding them of uh, the need for the public service, that was in the case of the Affordable Care Act, or by trying to create bipartisan consensus or by taking uh, the debate about the evidence out of the, sort of the political uh, domain. Independent sources of information can help a lot, especially uh, because of this issue of, of the lack of credibility of agencies reporting good news and, and good performance for themselves. And I also think there's a, an agenda for sort of ongoing work on performance information about whether people see themselves as primarily consumers of public services, so they're taking the information as a consumer, so they make consumer choices, or whether they see themselves more as uh, citizens, so they have an sort of ongoing relationship with the public organization and their citizenship duties uh, associated with their, their service interaction, not just, oh, I just need the information to be able to make a choice, that they, have, they see themselves as members of communities uh, and perhaps more likely to take roles like volunteering to help the organization, serving on boards to, to help uh, organizations, particularly that are struggling. And related to that, when people have information and responses to public services, uh, it doesn't always need, lead to the, to the hoped-for behavioral response. So sometimes when you give people information that the school, local school isn't doing very well, then they'll just leave that school uh, and, 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 and go and choose another one, and that won't necessarily ameliorate the situation for people who are unable to, uh, to do so. Or if they're told that their local government is performing poorly, well, in some communities that will lead people to try to sort of re-energize the local government, to try and interact with it, to improve performance. In other areas, people just throw up their arms and say, well, what do you expect? It's always like that around here. So again, this relates to this contingency and the need to, need to develop specific knowledge um, that's related to, to the particular context in which you find yourself. So I think I'll uh, leave it there. Thank you. Thank you, Oliver. Uh, we have about 10 minutes for <coughs> questions, so if you have questions, please borrow it. Uh, I'll see Carol first. Um, Carol Cradwick, I'm in the finance department. Um, I'm curious about when designing a performance management program, we're in the beginning stages, when you think about building trust, I heard you say something about independent source validation. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about like how that is played out? And right, yeah. So, um, in the UK context, um, the local governments, the local governments were developing their performance indicators across a full set of public services. So there'd be um, 
performance indicators for, say, road maintenance, for, for, for maintenance of parks, um, for local health outcomes, and so on. But they were assisted in that by uh, an organization uh, called the Audit Commission, which is a central part of central government uh, that, that helped. Um, it's basically sort of form a benchmarking club, but one where um, the, uh, the, the, the rules of the benchmarking club uh, were, were, were set not only by the organizations themselves, but by some sort of external authority. So people could be uh, confident that the comparisons being made weren't just ones that would be made for the convenience of the organization. So if you have a benchmarking club, and the question is, well, who do you, who do you benchmark against? And are you trying to make yourself look good by benchmarking with certain people? Not other people, do the benchmarking group make sense in some way? So I would say to a city, because obviously you're in a different constitutional situation here, and there isn't, you know, local government uh, in, in, the United, in the United Kingdom is a very clear constitutional sort of relationship with central government. Central government is in charge. It, local government only kind of exists at the whim of central government. It can just be abolished overnight. So you know, local government listens and, and, and responds a lot to, to central government. So when central government says, right, we're going to have these standard metrics, we're going to use these metrics to evaluate you all and put you in categories, like those categories there. Local government just has to go along with it. It's a standardized system for the country. Citizens and users know that, so they have some confidence that if it's put in the excellent group, it isn't just the local government saying that. It's um, something that's, that's, that's a credible piece of information because it has this external validation. I think if you're in a more sort of bottom-up system where people are developing the benchmarking clubs themselves, then it might be things around trying to get some sort of external quality assurance about the information or um, some, some, some way of um, working with perhaps non-governmental organizations or user groups um, to, to, to convince people that, especially you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're reporting sort of good, good performance, that it's just like, oh, it's not you, know, you just saying that. It's, it has some, some other uh, validity. Uh, equivalent to the U.S. Bureau. I mean, I think about livability indexes, other kinds of indexes that are put out by U.S. Conference of Mayors. Right. Those kinds of things. And again, sorry to jump on Carl Allen, the organization development area, but look at measurement a lot and that type of thing. Of, you know, maybe some looking for valid uh, indices, I think, here in the U.S. might be yeah. one way of moving so I mean, one thing that would be interesting would be to send exactly the same information, but just one, um, one way of just sort of presenting it as being linked to this uh, external validation, and the other one just, just, just giving the information saying you know, it comes from the organization and just seeing what the effect is. So um, my general hunch would be if you, if you can give that external validation, then it's going to be more, seen as more, as more credible. But it's an empirical question, and, and, and you yeah. know, please. My name is David Gorman. I'm the city treasurer. In this context, think of me as the tax collector. And so I would like the citizen, when they pay their taxes, to feel like they're getting value. Let me, let's use street maintenance as an example. So what you were just addressing you could translate to um, Madison is ranked number three in street maintenance compared to the top ten cities in Wisconsin. You mentioned earlier surveys. Um, Seventy-three percent of the citizens are satisfied with the way our streets are maintained. Do you have any idea as to what if we just put the specific statistic out there? Last year we filled 133,000 potholes. 
Well, that'd be really interesting. So, actually, you could write tax letters. You could do two versions of the tax letters. One, you don't have the information. The other one, you do, and you see how quickly people pay their taxes. And maybe if you tell them that sort of thing, they're more likely to... We can measure how happy they are when they pay their taxes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think you have a difficult job uh, in, in terms of that, because obviously something like tax collection is always not necessarily going to be people's favourite o- o- occupation. But there have been some experiments in the UK around tax, tax collection, um, around trying to raise the tax yield. But that was often to do with um, sort of reporting, uh, you know, most people pay their taxes, therefore pay your tax, but giving more information around the benefits people get from the taxes um, could, could well be a, a thing that would, that would um, build, build support for, 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 for tax payment and, and you might have some measures like how quickly people respond to those kind of letters and, and it would be pretty straightforward to kind of randomise letters um, in, in, in terms of their content but obviously when you're doing that you have to be careful around you know, people not feeling they're being Manipulated, and I think the, the kind of legitimacy of experimentation has to be has to be quite careful. I think some of the work on nudging, and and some of the things that people products that people try and sell people around nudging, sometimes you can be a bit careful about that because for me, with public service, it's all about legitimacy and trust, and, and people don't want to feel that they're being, you know, manipulated or uh, if 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 the um, if they, if they're uh, yeah they don't want to feel that they're they're they're, they're, um, they're being subject to some sort of Trick. The reason I, I asked the question, it was, I'm just wondering if by pointing out the number of potholes still, you're essentially reminding them, oh yes, this is one of the things that my taxes pay, pay for. And maybe that has got its own merit, uh, particularly if some of the other information isn't available. Right, yeah. That would that, that that to me would be sorts of you know, completely consistent with the, with the sorts of things that I'm suggesting. Yes. The Brexit coming up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, all the things that are being projected. Out, I mean, even the thing of you know, sort of taking EU laws and you know, putting them in the British legal system and sort of all those rules and regulations that people sort of rival against. People looking at sort of how it's, are there different outcomes that potentially. Yeah, predictive kind of things you might be able to do, or maybe you think that's sort of way to see what that Right. I think um, so many things are happening so 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 quickly. It's difficult to prioritise what the you know the, the most urgent question is because there's so much change and things have just been thrown up in the air. Um, so those kinds of sort of seismic shifts are, are more difficult. This, these, I think this is most effective where it's more incremental, where you have an ongoing relationship with a client group at a local level, and you can. Uh, uh, play around with having your normal way of working and then trying out an innovation in a structured way. Those kind of big systemic changes, I think are, uh, I mean it's, it's an experiment if you like, but there's not a lot of design. I think, um, uh, yeah, that's how I'd probably talk about Brexit. I have a question, uh, Oliver, and I don't think this was in your study, but maybe you know the answer from other literature. When you're looking at people's distrust of self-reported data, do you know if that same pattern holds for private organizations also, or is it more or less intense when it's a private or a a public reporter of the data? Right. So I I don't know about uh, information around uh, reporting information about uh, private organizations. I know some work has been done about audit, 
and audit and, uh, of, of company accounts and, and clearly audit is something that uh, investors pay uh, more attention to than, than uh, necessarily uh, unaudited, unaudited accounts or financial information that's just put out there by private companies. I haven't seen um, directly analogous work to this on, on private organisations. Um, I mean, one issue is, is the source independent of the government agency another bit of government or is it a private agency? And with the American Customer Satisfaction Index, that's a sort of private organization that's, that's separate. I've done some other work on uh, international sources of information. So uh, there are these PISA rankings for educational performance, global rankings for educational performance, and there are some analogous ones for electronic government. And the UK and uh, some other countries do quite well on these, uh, these, these rankings. And when the information comes from an international source, people believe them more than when it comes from a UK government source. So the nature of the independent source uh, uh, is, is in itself something that matters because if the independent source isn't seen as credible either, then uh, not gonna, you're not going to uh, see this, this beneficial effect. In this, in this sort of system here, the independent source was sort of part of central government checking on local government. So, so it was another bit of government providing this independent validation. And we have the same thing in Britain. We have inspectorates of all local public services. So there's a national inspectorate for police, fire, services, social care, and they go around every school or hospital or whatever and putting a stamp on, on them under these sort of category labels like this. And they are used by parents choosing schools or patients choosing hospitals or people thinking about how their, their local government performs. And that is seen as a, as a, as a, credible, uh, a, a credible independent source. But they're not the only ones. I mean, things like, you know, um, third sector groups, not-for-profit, sort of um, the, the, um, the, the, the sorts of um, anything that's seen as independent from the organisation itself that's, it, that has some credibility would be the sort of thing I'm talking about. Yeah. Or maybe some validation, you know, uh, just, just making prominent that the data put out there is, you know, is validated, is externally validated. Um, it would, would be the sort of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. yeah. So we're at the hour. If there are no additional questions, please just join me in thanking Oliver. Thank you.